Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. It is now July 5th. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball executed their incredible uh, plan to release the all-star, uh, all-star reserve teams and pitchers last night at 5.30 uh, Eastern time when no one, I mean, no one really had plans, you know, 4th of July, 5.30 in the afternoon. You know, people are usually resting up at that time, you know, just chilling out inside, watching TV, uh, getting ready to look at the All-Stars. That's what most people were doing yesterday. So I'm really glad that Major League Baseball picked a really good time to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think anyone was, uh, I don't think anyone was really consumed with anything, you know, at, at that no. point. So obviously the the perfect time to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they, you know, they, their marketing team, knocks, they knock it out of the park every time. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, they pick the perfect times to, you know, get people interested in baseball for a brief period of time when they might not have been uh, doing so, you know. Hey, look at this look at this time slot here, you know. It's a Sunday at 530, you know, on paper it looks like, you know, people are winding down, you know, from their weekends, you know, to go in the work the next day. Uh, no, but you look at the calendar, it's July 4th. Everybody has plans, every single person. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like when, if you wanted to find out when your uh, favorite player, if your favorite player was going to win the gold glove last year, it's like, it was just a simple Tuesday night in November. Uh, there's, yeah, no. You know, like, who's got anything going on? Who's, who's interested got, yeah. in anything else yeah. at that point? Random Tuesday night in November. Uh, early November, might I add, uh, you know, the same year that there would have been a Summer Olympics. Uh, you know, yeah. there's particular, there's usually nothing that goes on uh, at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, no important moment, no important off, you know, out of baseball moment that the whole world is is tuned into. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, no, definitely, definitely not. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just killing it. MLB, that's what we're here to say, pretty much. They're just... They're just killing it all the time. Yeah, they know. I mean, they're the geniuses over there. You know, they keep finding ways to keep being themselves. And it's it's kind of admirable at this point that they just keep doing it. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. All in all, the All-Star Game full rosters were announced. We did, a, we did our Phase 2 voting... Uh, last episode so the um starters were announced that night and then we had the reserves uh, announced later on and you know you, you most of them were you know have have had good seasons some of them were added just based on the fact that uh there were there was no one else on their team that had been 
selected. So you kind of had, you kind of had to uh, have someone like the Diamondbacks, you know, had to have somebody and there's somebody having to be Eduardo Escobar. And there were a few, you know, maybe a couple of the teams like that, but uh, I mean, we can talk some of the best players to not get selected. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Eduardo Escobar was like the only like super egregious pick just because someone from the team had to be there. I don't know what, like Gregory Soto was that he is a very good pitcher. You know, uh, Yusei Kikuchi was the only Mariner, but he's been dominating lately. Uh, I mean, what else? Like Herman Marquez was the only Rocky, but, uh, you know, he's he pitched really well in the month of June. He almost threw a no hitter in his most recent start. Uh, the only one that I really can't make an argument for is Eduardo Escobar. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of snubs. Uh, I think the biggest one, in my opinion, was probably Starling Marte from the Marlins. Um, Starling, Starling Marte, I mean, um, he's, I mean, he did have his, uh, his injury issue. Uh, he did, but he's still, he's still qualifying this year. Uh, how many games has he played? He's played 47. 47 Four. games. He's slashing 294, 401, uh, 453. Uh, that is that gives him a 143 weighted runs created plus. He's 19th. He's 19th in the league uh, in F WAR with a 2.8, despite only playing 47 games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's someone. He's someone you want to have uh, out in the outfield. It's pretty amazing that he's been able to accumulate. Uh, that many wins above replacement also 13 stolen bases only caught twice as well uh just a good all-around season kind of like a toned down maybe a toned down version of maybe like uh byron buxton's uh season thus far yeah um i would i would say biggest snub might be either uh max scherzer or freddie peralta Mm -hmm. i mean scherzer had a 2.10 2.10 ERA, uh, Freddie Peralta, a 2.23 ERA, uh, both of them not making the roster. I, I feel like that me, might be, be might be because partially, you know, you, you had to get Herman Marquez on the roster, who's had a good year, but maybe not all-star level. And also, even if there wasn't uh, a one-per-team requirement, you could not just have a Rocky-less uh, all-star game in Colorado it just mm-hmm. it, it would be kind of mean to do that uh so you know he's in there and uh I mean I, I guess yeah I guess you know Trevor Rogers is the only Marlin but he has he's had an all-star he would be an all-star on any team yeah, yeah that doesn't matter yeah uh um, another another snub that I looked at also on the Milwaukee Brewers Omar Narvaez uh, I'd say this because JT Real Muto had absolutely no business making it over him. Uh, Narvaez this year is slashing 301, 393, 459. Uh, that's really impressive from a catcher. 135 weighted runs created plus. Uh, he's been one of the he's been one of the best bats in the Brewers lineup all year. Uh, JT Real uh, is slashing 263, 3446. Uh, Narvaez is playing pretty defense as well. Um, like there's no real other than base running like what you know I mean how much can you really evaluate base running from catchers anyway uh, even if JT Romito is like far and away the best one like it, there's no real like obvious like 
statistics that show JT Realmuto being better than Narvaez this season. And it's not even like JT made it because of the, of the you know, one team or one player per team rule because Zach Wheeler made it from the Phillies and he legitimately deserves it. Uh, so I don't understand the process that went into that decision-making. I get that JT Realmuto has been the consensus best catcher in the league for a while now, but I mean, all the numbers show that Omar Narvaez has been better across the board. Uh, yeah, I want to 100% agree with that. Uh, he was one of my how about that's in May. And he's been yeah. kind of continuing his success, having a career year, and stinks that that cannot uh, result in him getting, you know, him getting all-star props. I mean, yeah. I guess the one good thing about being snubbed is you don't have to get one of, you don't have to get handed one of those awful jerseys. I mean, it's not the best one to, uh, <laughs> no, not the best no, no, one no. to Imagine receive. making one, yeah. Imagine making one all-star game in your career, and it's that one. That's tough. Like that's the one you have to hang in your living room or, or yeah. your man cave. Yeah. Like that's, you don't want that. Yeah. It's so good for So anyway, good for Omar Narvaez for dodging yeah. a bullet here and uh sucks to be JT real Muto. I mean, geez, at least, at least he's got other ones, but I mean, you got to add that to your closet. Like that's tough. Yeah. You, you have to wear that around for an entire home run derby. Yeah. I mean, tough. it's tough. It's tough. I would want uh, to do some, it. Some other ones. Um, uh, Mook, you know, we both agreed. Mookie Betts, great player. Not having an all-star year, but uh, put in anyway. Uh, just, I I don't know. There were multiple just people. That it's were... very weird how they, they, they pretty much put Mookie because of the name, but they didn't do so for, like, Max Serger, Clayton Kershaw, Bryce Harper, which is very weird how they were just completely inconsistent with that. Because Bryce Harper is the same like name that Betts is like that like their names carry just about the same weight. Harper's having a better year. I don't care what the what the RBIs say. Um, it, it, like it doesn't make any sense that they put Mookie over him. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only argument you can use is potent. I mean, is we're not really focused on defense. At we're not focused that much on defense with uh with yeah with you know the all-star game but i mean i'm trying to look at the national league outfield uh leaderboards i mean harper i guess only has 10 more points in weighted runs created plus and he did have uh an injury that held him out for like a week and a half but also yeah starling Marte uh ranks ahead of mookie betts in Fangraph's uh, wins above replacement with only 47 games. Yeah. With only 47 games, you know, he could have been put in there. So uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were some people more deserving uh, that, that could have gotten in there and, you know, uh, but you know, that's very good player. And I, I understand why people would want to, would want to see him in action. Uh, anything, any yeah. more thoughts in the all-star game? Yeah, I mean, just going off of the Bryce Harper tangent, like people people talk about the guy being overrated. How about underrated? You're right. Yeah, I mean, like he's like Bryce Harper is talked about about being overrated so much that it's made him become underrated. Yeah, I see Harper now as like a guy that uh, puts his head down and <laughs> works and just you know keeps producing very good offensive seasons. Yeah, 
Like he's on an easy Hall of Fame trajectory. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, in his last since uh since the start of 2020, he's got a 917 OPS, a, a 395 on base percentage. Um, he's been 27 home runs at 119 games since the start of 2020. Yeah, I mean, he's uh yeah, very good player. And he's and he's only like he's only in his age 28 season. Like he's still very young. People forget. Right. Yeah. Arguably heading into the prime of his career, arguably maybe his, the prime of his career hasn't hit quite yet. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he can outdo 2015, but I mean, we could still like, we could see a lot of like second, third, fourth best seasons from him coming soon. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. I don't think we've seen his, his second best season yet. Uh, We've seen his best season. I'm just going to call that right now. There's no way in hell. Uh, he can replicate a 330-460-649-1109 season with a 198 OPS plus. Yeah, that would be very difficult, but yeah, uh, he also can get close. War, war. Yeah, yeah, he That's... he can have an OPS over a thousand again. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. That's the all. Th- those are the all star snubs you know likes dislikes seeing what's uh there's a lot more but i think those are like the headliners yeah those are the headliners um not not too much to complain about outside of that um but one of the all-stars on that roster unfortunately uh not going to be playing as of a couple days ago uh the guy who was the hottest hitter on the planet is un- unfortunately strained his hamstring and you know this this streak has to come to a close uh kyle schwarber after going on a 20 game 21 game run with a 13 83 ops 16 home runs in those 21 games uh he strained his hamstring and will be out for uh, a significant amount of time is what most people are saying and you know definitely at least a, a month Yeah, uh, this this is such a tough time to come across an injury like this. Uh, if you're Kyle Schwarber, he was absolutely raking. Uh, he won Player of the Month in June. He hit, I think, like 12 home runs in 12 games, something like that. He became the only person to do that since Albert Bell, I believe it was, in 1995 on the 144 Indians. Um, yeah, this is just a really tough time for Kyle Schwarber to, to have an injury like this. Uh, right before the All-Star game, right when he was – you know, the team was – rolling as he was rolling you know they had just gotten over 500 they were in second place in a pretty competitive division uh this is gonna hurt for them a lot not just for Schwarber, but for the whole team um oh yeah i think it it it's a a huge thing for uh the team as one thing i noted to you before recording was uh the nationals who have not been a great team this year were 15 and 6 in this run uh, where he, you know, had 16 home runs in 21 games, or if I just go to his last home run, he had he had 16 home runs in 18 games with a 1446 OPS. They were 14 and four in that run, which uh, is even you know better winning percentage wise. And they faced, you know, the Giants, who are an extremely good team. Uh, Pirates, not so much. Mets, the division leaders. Phillies you know, middle of the pack Marlins, I would argue still middle of the pack uh, Mets for one game. And then uh, the Rays for his, uh, his last home run uh, since, or yeah, his last home run 
of 2021 so far. Uh, yeah, they went 14 and four in this stretch where he went like crazy. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's the catalyst for why this was happening. And I, I don't have it prepared, but I want to see where they're, uh, division ranking was beforehand and, and where it is or, and where it was when that home run streak sort of ended. So uh, I think I'll look at that. Qu- click on the. They're in fourth place, the like hovering down with the Marlins, and now they are in second in the division, just above the Braves. Yeah, before this stretch, they were 25 and 34. Um, and MLB scores and standings on this day. Uh, where were the Nationals? National League East. Yeah, Nationals were in dead last place before Schwarber's uh, crazy, crazy streak. Then they went 14 and four on the streak. Granted, the NL East isn't crazy deep this year. Everyone's kind of in the middle. And then uh, on June 29th, the date of his last home run where, you know, they won four to three. So that home run obviously made a difference. Uh, the Nationals were, yeah, they were second. One game of one game above 500. And now um, after his last home run, they're two and four or something like that, I think, or one yeah. and four. I'm not sure. They're, or yeah, they... one and four, I think. Uh, yeah, one and four. And they're 40 but they and 42 also did face overall. the Dodgers. Yeah, they have been facing the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, there's a correlation there. Maybe it would have happened had Schwarber not been in the lineup. But he overall, major impact, uh, what he was doing. So I think the Nationals, and we'll get into trade de- deadline stuff later, not with the East, but uh, I think the Na- this puts the Nationals in a more comfortable state of potentially selling. Yeah. You're right, because, I mean, we've seen, like, a good, a good like, 20-game stretch uh, in July can really screw a team up going forward. Um, a good 20-game stretch in July. A good, oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, the Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> That's thinking, I mean, I'm sure there's others as well. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the Orioles were doing before uh, Jer- they got Jeremy Hellickson. Nothing. That one year. Oh, they were like no, they were like five hundred. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, what they inspired even... them. Good stretch. They were just like, well, we we're five hundred. We made the playoffs last year. There's two very clearly better teams in this division than us. Uh, let's get let's go get Jeremy Hellickson and uh, let's take on these Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah, that was um, so stupid. It was weird, but you know, like we were saying before this crazy stretch, the Nationals were nine games below 500. It seemed pretty clear that they were going to sell at the deadline. Then they go 14 and four; they're above 500, and it's you know they were second in the division, so a playoff spot was uh, not completely out of sight, and. Now I feel like, you know, with Schwarber out of the lineup, I don't know what their upcoming schedule is. Uh, I can maybe look at that potentially, but uh, you know, I don't, if they, 
are unable to win uh, as well as they were while Schwarber was doing well, maybe they're more comfortable trading a guy. You know, the big piece being talked about is Max Scherzer, whose contract ends after this year. So, uh, yeah, it it could be a it could be a change. It can. Um, just gonna one last thing on the Nationals. I'll look at their July schedule and see if this changes anything. So yeah, they've they just got uh, swept by the Dodgers in four games. That'll happen. Okay, yeah, they're uh, going on the road to San Diego and San Francisco, and then they come back to Washington and face San Diego after the All Star break. And then yeah, they have a tough schedule coming up. And then uh, Miami, Baltimore. So, I mean. I would imagine the Nationals don't do well. And I would imagine, yeah, the Nationals probably uh, are, are more likely to sell off uh, Max Scherzer if, this, uh, if they do as they're supposed to do on the road against San Diego and San Francisco. So uh, kind of an eye-opener. But um, I guess now we talk about, yeah, every, each episode, each of the next three episodes, we're going to talk about two divisions and what each team in that division should do uh, come trade deadline time. So we're starting, uh, we're just going region by region, and we're going to start in the West because those teams, it's kind of more obvious uh, what direction teams are going in, especially in the National League West. Uh, it's pretty obvious the direction teams are going in. And as we go throughout, uh, we'll do yeah you know the central and the east where um it'll become more obvious where the direction is so uh should we start like bottom to top yeah let's go bottom to top um do we want to okay so so we'll start with the d-backs uh what do you what do you think about the d-backs well i mean you know there's obviously it's not been their year to say the very least but uh, when I, I wrote about them preseason, and I said that the biggest, the most important thing for the Diamondbacks this year, obviously winning is what you want to do, but the most important thing for the Diamondbacks is to find their identity because through 18, 19, and 20, they were all kind of, they were very inconsistent. They were kind of middling around 500, maybe below that. Uh, they were very irrelevant. Uh, you know, obviously you never want to stretch like the Diamondbacks have had very recently, but at the very least, you know, they know their identity and that it's that they are, uh, they are selling. Like, there is no doubt about that. Uh, so as far as what you can sell, pretty obviously Eduardo Escobar is one of them. He's been in trade talks for a while now. Uh, that's a guy that you would look to sell off. Uh, David Peralta would probably be one as well. Uh, that's a guy where realistically, um, you know, you're probably not going to be able to pay him. Uh, you're probably not going to uh be able to keep him and he's going to be a guy that you could probably get a decent amount of uh amount of value for because you know he's a decent player um yeah Eduardo Escobar is also a free agent at the end of the season so uh, there's really no point in keeping him um as far as upcoming free agents there's no one else that they can really like I don't know like would a team really take much for Estrubo Cabrera or for uh Steven Vogt Joaquin Soria like all these guys are old uh so that's not great um, I don't think they trade Zach Allen. I'd say that's the biggest guy on their, on their, uh, team as far as like what they can get, but I just don't think they do it. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, you obviously have to sell, 
I'd say sell David Peralta and sell Eduardo Escobar are the two most important things. Yeah. Yeah, they have to get whatever they can out of that. Um, there's and maybe maybe Selcatel maybe Selcatel Marte as well. Yeah, I. Honestly, if I were the. You know what? Guy. You know what? I'm gonna change that. Selcatel Marte, do it, because uh, do you really see the Diamondbacks competing in the next five years uh, that are on his contract? Like realistically, in the division they're in, do you see in the next five years the Diamondbacks will be competitive? Uh, no. They don't have a good farm either. No, I would sell Catal Marte now. Honestly, I mean his value is up. You know, you're gonna get a lot for him. Teams are gonna be asking. You know, teams will be willing to give an arm and a leg for a guy who's only 27 and has five years left and is a very good player. Uh, yeah, sell Catal Marte. Uh, I think that ha- happens as well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I Should think I? you try to get whatever you can out of. Yep. Escobar and Peralta, which is probably not going to be much, uh, honestly. I don't know if they get anyone that's going to be able to contribute to the Major League Ball Club um, at all for either of those guys. I think Ketel Marte, I think maybe, and not because they're going to be competitive, but maybe you wait to trade him till next year because he's had injury issues uh, this year and his value is not um, as high as it normally would be, uh, you know, around That's this fair. time he has team control through 2024. So he's going to be valuable for, for a while. Um, I don't know what his specific injuries have been. Do you know what his injuries have been? They've been, uh, I do not. Uh, Cattell Marte injury. Uh, Cattell Marte hamstring another hamstring thing so you know his muscles have or his uh injury things have been his injuries have been involved with muscle strains or what have you so those are things that can that can linger so i don't think teams are going to be taking out the biggest flyer for for Marte, and i think that's why they also shouldn't trade gallon this year because uh, gallon has had trouble with his arm uh forearm tightness has been you know a vocabulary word that has been uh expressed on zach gallon so uh you know they don't have the even even their best players aren't the most aren't as valuable as they normally would be because of injuries so they're in a bad spot uh at the trade deadline try to get what you can out of escobar and peralta like you said uh do we want to go Mm-hmm. Do we want to just go through the NL West now or go to the bottom of the AL West too? Let's just go through the NL West. All right. So Colorado Rockies, um, there's one one big elephant in the room for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, obviously you go get Trevor Story. That's you get, or uh, you trade him rather. Uh, he's a free agent to be at the end of the year. He's the best player on your team, probably. Um, we, I mean, we've been saying that all year. You know, as far as as far as where to trade him, I'd say, you know, look for teams that have had shortstop problems. Uh, there's one. Here's the problem. I, I'll, I'll just mention this now. I was going to mention later, but like Oakland Athletics shortstops have been legendarily bad this year. But I just know that they're not going to get story because they're the Athletics, even though that is the move that would put them over the top. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, he he has um overall this year he's making 18 and a half million, so if he they're going to they would have to pay like 8 or 9 million 
in order to uh, have story for the year. And I don't know. I don't know if that's something they're trying to do, especially when story isn't having like his like career year. So yeah, I mean, that's, and he was, just, and he was just hurt too, I believe. Yeah. Like that's the, uh, that's the great conflict that happens in Oakland. Like it's, ob- it would be an obvious fit, the most obvious fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that Elvis Andrews has been doing a little bit better lately, but I mean, if we're talking Trevor Story versus Elvis Andrews going into a playoff run, and not even that, a division run, like they can, they can, the Astros, they're only like a game or so back uh, yeah. from them. So like, why not? I mean, you know, it's you know, like you said, it's the obvious fit, but just because of who they are, it's hard to imagine it getting done. Right, right. Um because I mean how how much time do they really have left in their window? Like this is the what fourth year that they're competitive now? Uh yeah, the athletics, uh yeah, fourth year. There's a time to go for it. It would be right now. Uh, as far as the Rockies go, I'd say another p- possible person to trade would be CJ Crone. Uh, he was my player to watch at the beginning of the season. He signed a, a one-year minor league deal, and he's been pretty good for the for the Rockies. Um, he has a 116 OPS plus, uh, slashing 252, 356, 463, 819. Uh, so that was a good, uh, you know, flyer that the Rockies took. That so that'll probably get him something uh, in a month or so. Yeah, he, yeah, he's someone who, yeah, American League teams would also probably like him because you can put him as a as a designated hitter. I feel like, you know, you mentioned the uh, Rays uh, DH problems. I was looking at it earlier. Their their uh, their DH OPS uh, is twelfth in the American League, and uh, maybe. Having uh, maybe trying to get Crone would be a, a good uh, option for them, and if they if they don't want to spend he's a former Ray six, too, right? Yeah, if they don't want to spend whatever six million dollars on uh, Nelson Cruz or whatever uh, that will be, then uh, yeah, that that would be a good option. I don't know if they want to it get a, a right-handed or left-handed specific guy. Uh, also, someone I was. Someone I was looking at was uh, Jonathan Gray or John Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's potentially, it's weird. I, I was looking at Marquez and Gray. They've had reverse Coors splits. Like they're b- doing better at home. I, I have no idea why. Yeah. It's it's the weirdest thing because I was, was about a, to say. Uh, that was a thing with Scott Oberg before he got hurt. Right. Like I was thinking like, oh, you know, get them out of Coors. They're they're going to be pretty good. And I'm thinking, and John Gray, maybe that's not the case. I'm not sure. Um, but another yeah, John... possible guy would be like Daniel Bard, maybe like if a team needs a closer, he's been doing pretty well. He's throwing a hunt. He's throwing harder than he ever has in his age, like 35 season. Right. Yeah. John Gray, uh, 117 ERA plus. I think Daniel Bard is around the same. So, uh, valuable, valuable assets to, uh, to be had. And you know nothing yeah. you're gonna get a crazy amount for outside of story, but um, those are probably guys that will be moving. Uh, anything more? Nothing that I got now. All right, the Padres. It's Padres are weird because there's no real obvious spot where they need to fill, but 
they're gonna they're gonna go for something you know that hang on chris i got a i got a stat for you uh the padres and this is the problem because i just don't think this is something they can fix but the padres have negative 0.8 f4 out of their first baseman this season which is last in the majors well yeah they're but they're not gonna they're not gonna replace him they can't they can't just like i mean I, I wanted to say go out and maybe trade for CJ Crone, but like they can't, like they are they're already paying their first baseman uh, twenty million dollars this year. Right. That's an issue. Yeah, so that's not good. Um, as far as just general team stuff, um, I mean Blake Snell hasn't been what you want him to be, which is a problem. Yeah. Obviously. Um. I was thinking they are I was thinking they could get a more middle of the rotation guy or not not a not necessarily top of the line uh pitcher like Max Scherzer, but maybe someone you took stick in like the two or three spot. I think uh a good fit for the Padres might be Jose Barrios. Yeah, no, that'd be perfect. Uh, you know, that's a guy who probably could he could have a that's a guy who could have a resurgence uh going into going into San Diego like you know we've already seen we all know the potential that he has we've seen his stuff uh and the twins are obviously going to be trading him so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens yeah and um I mean I don't know how how many prospects the Padres have left to give I don't think they're giving up Mackenzie Gore for anybody uh, at this deadline they've stayed away from him throughout all the trades that they've made mm-hmm. so uh, it wouldn't make sense for them to let him go now, now that he's probably very, very close to a big league level. Um, that's, you know, honestly, with Snell in the IL, I don't know why they wouldn't think about bringing him up, but um, I don't, I'm don't. i not in the scouting department or anything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe – I mean, C.J. Abrams is still very valuable, so maybe that he's someone that they uh, let go of in a trade that could be a that would be a perfect trade piece because like i mean he's a shortstop and they you know they got that covered for the next 13 years 14 years absolutely absolutely um yeah like he's (laughs) he's only there to be traded right now in that padres organization unless i mean even at second like you have jake cronenworth at second base do you really want to mess with that right now like no yeah he's he's meant i mean i know that he's Meant to be I know that he's like in his late twenties because he was a career minor league guy. I think he played 500 games in the minors. But you know, you, you even have Hassan Kim, who I believe signed what a four-year deal with the Padres. Uh, I, can, I mean, I can look that up. Yeah, it was a four-year, 28 right. million dollar deal with a with a mutual option for 2025. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what what type of option they would need to uh give up cj abrams it might not be a barrios type guy it might be someone like uh max scherzer who you know they would have to give up uh abrams for but i don't know like uh, barrios brings value because he yeah. also has 2022 uh locked up like he's he's locked up for 2022 as well yeah exactly um i mean i don't know maybe like uh What about like a Kyle Gibson? Yeah, well, Kyle, we're we're gonna get into Gibson 
and yeah, I mean, sure, sure. He has a he has an ERA below two at the moment. It, that's probably not sustainable. He's m- more of probably by the end of the season, we, we probably will look at him like a number two starter. So yeah, I think it would make yeah. sense. I don't know what the Rangers ask, ask, uh, asking price is going to be on him uh, due to the fact that he's having an unexpectedly great season. Uh, he's not someone with the reputation like Scherzer, so he's probably not going to get as much uh, play. So it's a very interesting uh, dilemma there. But, I mean, the guy's having, you know, he's on the all-star team and very deservedly so. Um, so I think, yeah, if the Padres want to go out and get him, but uh, a, a Barrios-type guy, you know, you, you pretty much know what his value is going to be. He's actually he's actually had some of the most, like, consistent numbers in baseball, just looking at, like, his ERA and stuff is pretty funny. So um, Barrios, you know what his value is going to be. Gibson is kind of uh, – more unpredictable yeah i think that's fair um so padres yeah you probably look more more at the rotation you know you you have your ace pretty much you darvish is your ace and then uh lamette you don't know his health uh musgrove has been a good surprise but probably you know long term probably a three you know two or three starter um snell is on the il Weathers is interesting. I don't know how much how many innings he's getting per start now. Um, so yeah, it's there's some question marks in the rotation. So maybe you kind of get another guy to strengthen that. Uh, Dodgers or yeah, Do- yeah, Dodgers are in second so place now. The the Dodgers are like the most complete team. It feels like so. It really is difficult thing of potential trades. But what if I told you this, Chris? The Dodgers have a, have a recent history of just going all in, regardless of how good they were beforehand. You know, they traded for Mookie Betts the year after they had the best record in the majors and didn't lose anyone particularly. Uh, they went out and got Trevor Bauer after winning a World Series. And obviously, you know, we don't know what the future looks like with Trevor Bauer right now. So who says they don't go out and get Max Serger? Yeah, I mean, th- that they would do that. They would do that for sure. They would do that. Like who? I mean, they still have a lot of guys on the farm. They can give Washington a decent, uh, you know, a decent uh, asking price. But I mean, who says they don't go out and do it? Imagine Kershaw, Bueller, Serger in your rotation. Like I think the Dodgers, you know, they have the guts to go out and do it. Uh, it's just a matter of if Washington wants to really give them up or not, especially to that team. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, the. The future is very uncertain with Bauer. Uh, they lo- they already lost Dustin May for this year and pretty much next year. So um, yeah, they're gonna they're I, yeah it's kind of a guarantee they they're gonna want another starting pitcher if they want to uh, take this World Series run, this back to back run seriously as they obviously you know have shown to be doing. So yeah, I I mean I think it's a guarantee they will end up with another starting pitcher and. I don't see why it can't be Max Scherzer. I think I just talked myself into the fact that it's guaranteed. Guaranteed Scherzer to uh Scherzer to, to the Dodgers. Dodgers. Like it makes it almost makes too much sense. Yeah, I'm trying to see um their uh prospects. I mean where they 
Their farm uh, system, yeah. I mean, they have, like, one of the best ones in the league, and guess what? You know, if you have, like, a really good outfield prospect, it's like you have Mookie Betts locked up, you have A.J. Pollock locked up, even if he's not exactly uh, what you hope for. You have Chris Taylor for another two years. Like, this... And they've proven that they can trade virtually anyone and remain very good. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, like, I mean, I'm trying to... Their their uh their farm system isn't very uh isn't top heavy necessarily like it mm-hmm. definitely was at a point when they had May and Lux as uh prospects and you know Verdugo as a prospect. I wonder if they if they if they do end up uh, trying to trade for Scherzer if they end up trying having to like give up some big league talent. Um, I mean, who are players with like? I don't know, maybe like an Edwin Rios or like a, a Gratterall or like a Gonsolin maybe. Yeah, a, yeah, a Gonsolin because type. Let's, maybe. Like, let's not forget that like this is – Max Serger is a rental. You're only getting him for two months, so it's not like they're going to really have to give up an arm and a leg for him even if he is Max Serger. Um, right, yeah. And when, uh, when Corey Seager comes back, I think – like I don't know where the Dodgers are at with – Gavin Lux right now you know he hasn't had the greatest of seasons um and I guess this is his first full year so yeah I guess they're uh, they're gonna hold on to him probably no matter what but um yeah it's it's interesting I you know they're they don't have anyone in the top 40 for prospects so uh yeah I don't know I don't know what the Nash you don't know what the Nationals' asking price is going to be. Yeah, I mean, when when so Verlander got to get into the Giants now. Sure. Uh, well, oh, okay. when when Verlander got traded no, go ahead, to go ahead. When Verlander got traded to the Astros, I mean, I don't even remember who got traded to uh, Detroit. Do you remember? Uh, I remember. I remember Daz. He played for my local minor league team. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's about yeah, that's it's... all I can tell you there. And he's, I mean, he's been hitting some home runs recently for the uh, Tigers. Yeah, but nothing like, nothing uh, too crazy. But I guess it was like a, uh, you know, a situation where Verlander made so much money that it was basically like kind of a free agent signing in a way for two years or whatever um but anyway off of that we can get into stuff like that later um yeah the giants san francisco giants all right so we were pondering the uh, giants the you know giants uh approach for the trade deadline for a while it actually took um about took about 18 hours ish um and we're finally here we're we're finally ready to talk about the giants so um you know luckily we have the edit button and uh we can we can get into it so uh yeah the division leading giants uh you you mentioned before uh recording a potential bullpen piece for the giants i mean i think that's the pretty the pretty obvious thing you know the starting pitching has been the storyline of the year for them uh, they've been outperforming expectations completely. You know, like they they have a four-man ro- playoff rotation right now with what Kevin Gosman, 
Alex Wood, Anthony Descalfani, uh, and Johnny Cueto. Like, that's uh, – right now, like, that's not bad at all. Um, and I think, you know, certainly you could – you could always use another arm, but, you know, if you could get that. But if that's your – you know, if that's your four-man rotation going into a playoff series, like, that's not something to complain about. Uh, the lineup has also been – Excellent this year. I think they have the third highest position player F4 in the majors. Uh, but the only thing is just you gotta, you might want to get another bullpen piece. You know, Matt Whistler was a guy who was a complete flop uh, for them. Bullpen was an issue for them last time. They were competitive as well. Uh, you could use another closer. I think the obvious name out there would be Richard Rodriguez uh, from the Pirates, one of Chris's How About That's and Players to Watch. Uh, that's someone who I think you can go and get. Um, yeah, I think, uh, also, and this is not, they're probably not going to go out and get someone. And I don't even know if this guy's going to get traded, but I think, uh, they could benefit from a guy like maybe Adam Frazier. Uh, they've had not as much production out of the second base spot and he can also help out your outfield. So, uh, I think, I think he would be a, a nice addition to any team. And uh, because of his versatility, but, you know, also I think uh, the Giants, you know, they've gotten production out of most of their, most of their uh, positions and even, you know, second base and outfield, uh, you know, outfield has been good. Second base hasn't been awful, but I think, uh, I think they could benefit from, from some Adam Frazier in their lives. Maybe, I don't know. They certainly could. Uh, Tommy Lasella was their second baseman at the start of the season, but he's currently on the 60-day IL, uh, which he went down on in the beginning of May. So there's no, there still isn't necessarily a timetable for his return. But uh, yeah, that's something that definitely can be looked at. Um, as far as other injuries, you know, you still, I mean, Evan Longoria should be back soon, hopefully. Uh, he was expected to miss four to six weeks about four weeks ago. So hopefully in the next two weeks, but you also have Brandon Belt that's hurt. He's on the 10-day IL with no timetable for return with knee inflammation. Um, so, you know, the Giants, they do have their concerns, but, you know, I think, I don't think, other than maybe Tommy LaStella, I don't think anyone really is, anyone that's hurt is probably going to be hurt for the rest of the year, and they'll be back come playoff time. So, yeah, I mean, I do think Adam Frazier would be a good option at second base, uh, you know, especially if Listella is not coming back, Frazier is a very similar type of player. They're both left-handed. Uh, they're both, you know, contact hitters. I'd say, I'd say Frazier has a bit more power. Um, yeah, I mean, they'd play similar roles, and I think that'd be. I like. I like that idea from you. Uh, yeah, and Don, uh, Donovan Solano has been taking most of the reps at second base, and he has mm -hmm. a uh, six ninety nine OPS. You know, d you know. It's worst, it's pretty but... average, yeah. It's pretty average for especially for a second baseman, but um, I think Frazier could uh, put that position particularly over the top, and I don't think he would cost. I don't think it would cost too much. Uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's like that much of a uh, of a, of a star that he's going to cost a lot. But uh, yeah, uh, anything more on the Giants <clears throat> before we head into nah, the AL I mean... West? I think it's pretty simple. Like, you know, I think the most important thing is to go out and get another reliever. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know if it necessarily has to be a closer. Who's their closer right now? Uh, let's see. Looks like. Jake McGee. Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee as co-closers. Um, mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would yeah, definitely get another reliever. Uh regardless of whether it's a closer or not. Yeah, you could always use um always use help there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you're never yeah, I mean, you can like, never have too many too many relievers on a team. Um so yeah, that's the National League West and now we get into the uh the other league in the West. Uh, the American League West, and we start from bottom to top. And uh, personally, I think the Rangers are in a great position to sell at the trade deadline, meaning they have they have some assets to trade off. Yeah, one of my biggest concerns with the Rangers this year was that they really only had one legitimate, like valuable trade asset in Joey Gallo. Uh, I think there's no doubt that Joey Gallo should probably be going. I think he's got, what, two years left on his deal this year and next year? Um, it's, it's either, uh, two years or one year. It might be two years. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, that's definitely important, but then you also have, you know, we talked earlier about Kyle Gibson, uh, how he might be a good fit for the Padres. That's someone who, uh, you know, you've gotten a lot more out of him than you expected. He's got like an ERA around, around two, even close to sub one. Uh, that's someone who you're going to want to let go of uh, now that he's at peak value. Um, but now, like, you know, I don't know, where does it go beyond that? Like, maybe do you trade Nate Lowe? Probably not because he's 26 and he's been doing fairly well. The, I will say the Rangers have a lot more talent uh, than I'd say most people thought at the beginning of the year. You know, you've had guys like Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, Adolis Garcia, Isaiah Kiner falefa that have all kind of broken out in some sort of way this year. Um, so that's been very encouraging. By the way, uh, in their in their fan graphs listed, like go-to starting lineup, uh, Joey Gallo and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa are the only homegrown players, which is pretty interesting. So they've kind of built their t- team around others. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Weird, the, um, weird how that turned out. Yeah, like I don't think you're going to be able to trade Mike Fulnevich for anything. That guy's kind of cooked. It seems, unfortunately. Um, maybe Ian Kennedy in your bullpen. That could probably be another one. Yeah, I uh, I put down three players. It was Gallo, Gibson, and Kennedy. Kennedy's got a 2.86 ERA on the year. He's 14 for 15 in save opportunities. Very good. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to look at if peripherals might uh, affect him. Not really. A, a 3.60 expected ERA. So he's not far off from um, what's what's on the field. So yeah, very good. Uh, very good stuff right there. So like, yeah, the Kennedy could be a, you know, surprisingly for the, uh, for, for the Rangers, he could be a, a trade asset. He's got a weird ground ball, fly ball line drive scenario. He's got a 29.7% ground ball rate weird huh that's not very the league, good the league average is 45 percent. yeah but i mean uh you know expected era still is not very high you would expect it to be higher but not the case so <clears throat> yeah gallo <coughs> gallo is probably might be their most valuable just because we've seen him <clears throat> have sec have success before um so, you know, that would be a good thing. You can put him in an outfield, make him an everyday starter. Uh, Gibson also 
the Rangers cannot make the same mistake with Gibson as they did with uh, Mike Miner uh, two years ago and just let him fall off maybe next year and not be a valuable trade whatsoever. I mean, this is this is as good as it's going to get for Kyle Gibson, I would imagine. I don't think it gets much better, much better than this. So you got to get rid of him as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the Rangers, they've put themselves in a much better position than I thought they were going to be preseason. So, you know, embrace the embrace the rebuild right now. Uh, everyone else in your division, at the very least, is on the come up. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to, you know, it's obviously not fun to be in a position like this, but the reality is at least you know and you're not sort of just hovering around trying to figure out what you are, sort of awkwardly not really buying or selling at the deadline. So, uh, yeah, trade Gallo, trade Gibson, and trade Kennedy. Yeah, and I think I think they can get some good prospects uh, out of this, out of this uh, trade deadline if they play it right and get rid of all three of them. Um, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they will have, you know, two in the same trade and that could really mm-hmm. uh, get a good prospect uh, rolling. But yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll see if uh, a team has particular needs like that. Uh, all right. Now on to Anaheim with the Angels, uh, you know fourth place right now hovering around 500 um you know not really in a competitive or non-competitive situation so yeah los angeles angels what do you have them doing yeah i mean this is the first team where we don't really know what kind of position they're in but i'd say like i mean I, i i don't think they really have much talent that they can sell like yeah they have a lot of talent but like I mean, who out of that group are you going to give away? Because I think this, I think this team is close. Like I really do. Um, you know, like show. You know, they're they're 500 right now without Mike Trout, who was just transferred to the 60-day IL, uh, and Rendon has been underperforming. So like when you got those two, you know, back to form, and you have, and you don't even need Shohei. Like you know, it's obviously a big reason is is because of Shohei having you know the best being one of the best hitters in the league and also a very, very good pitcher. Uh, you don't even necessarily need that from him, but it's, you know, it's a blessing that you have it right now. Um, so, I mean, the obvious, the obvious thing is you need starting pitching. Uh, that's, that goes without saying at this point. The Angels for way too long have tried to rely on, you know, homegrown starting pitching. It just hasn't really worked. Uh, Griffin Canning has been a is still a work in progress. Andrew Heaney is very inconsistent. Uh, it's just it's a weird. It's it's Patrick Sandoval same thing. Like they're just I don't know. It feels like they're just trying too hard or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a bad situation. And their bullpen's pretty bad too, I believe. Their pitching has a their starting pitching has a flat five ERA, which is I think fifth worst in the league. Uh, and their bullpen. Where is the Angels bullpen here? Um, yeah, they have a 470 ERA with a 452 FIP. Uh, that's not good. Their bullpen is 4.36 walks per nine. Uh, that's pretty ugly. Yeah, uh, for the Angels, I think they should uh, give away Rice Iglesias for for something. He's uh, his contract comes up 
at the end of the year. So I think they should try to get uh, something for him. That's and interesting. Maybe try to. I I don't know if they can. They can't really get anything out of Andrew Heaney or Dylan Bundy, especially like. Oh, Dylan Bundy too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dylan Bundy's a free agent to be. Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year, and unfortunately, he's turned himself into nothing really valuable at all. Uh, that some someone you can't really get anything for uh, at this point, I would imagine. Yeah, no. Uh, with a you know mid to upper six ERA, so you know that's a that's an issue. Um, so they're not really going to get anything there. If they do end up making a making a like buy move, you know, trying to uh, add to the major league roster, they can't get someone who will only contribute in 2021. It's got to be a long-term guy. You're right. Yeah. Like uh, the pretty much what the Mets did in 20. Uh, n- yeah. 2019 With where yeah. it was like, they were kind of on the comeback trail, but probably not going to make the playoffs. So they got Stroman for 2019 and 2020. And I mean, I guess it didn't work out for 2020, but he took that qualifying offer and now he's, and now he's contributing. But uh, yeah, I think it would, it would have to be a situation where he has to be contributing for at least uh, 2022, uh, maybe like, you know, a Barrios or I don't know if they would do an intradivisional Gibson deal, but um but i i don't even know if they should be going after guys like that quite yet but uh anything anything more on the angels why couldn't they have just like signed wade miley this offseason right yeah why i mean i get that he had a 5-6 era the year before and perry probably wasn't going for a 33 year old or for a 34 year old who just said that but i mean like i don't know that seems like that was very feasible for the angels to do yeah, and they uh, they just ended up getting Quintana and Cobb. Yeah, which, like, Cobb had really good peripherals, but he also had, I think, like, high exit velocity against, too. Um, I don't know. The Angels are, like, we've been having, I mean, the baseball world has been having this particular discussion for what feels like centuries now. It's been so long. You know, it's just they need to, they need to build a starting staff around him. I know that... Uh, you see, Brian Kenny has been perpetuating using Shohei as a reliever. Uh, no, I haven't. He says, yeah, he said like, event like he's gonna break down more basically if he if he keeps starting, you know, being a starting pitcher and hitting at the same time because like Babe Ruth, like had a major fall off as a pitcher when he was doing both at the same time, which I don't know, like I know it's kind of weird to go off an argument that's a hundred years old, but. Like, I don't know, doesn't that seem, that does kind of seem to make sense, especially because he's, you know, like he's a he's a guy with high velocity uh, and he's had health issues in the past. So maybe, you know, maybe like a, I don't want to say a lighter workload, but I mean, like if you, if you only had him going a few innings every few games instead of, you know, like six, seven innings once a week, I feel like that would make sense. Yeah, uh... Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that. Um, but I mean, I don't. I, I've been, I've been kind of waiting for this to break down, like as it is. Like, it, 
I've, I feel like the Shohei Otani thing is a little too good to be true right now and is in his 2021 form. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would be, it, it would be very hard for him to maintain this. So yeah, I could see, I could see this being a, a possibility where he would not be able to uh, hold, hold this together for this long. Um, I'm, I'm trying I'm actually looking at Babe Ruth's uh, pitching stats right now. His walk numbers were brutal. Right. Uh, and his strikeout numbers went down. His peak pitching year was 1916 when he was 21 years old, where he won the ERA title. Strictly a, strictly a pitcher. Yeah, strictly a pitcher, won the ERA title, um, had nine shutouts, which led the league. And then uh, he had a 128 ERA plus in 1917, a 122 in 1918, a 102 in uh, 1919, and then I think that's when he he stopped, and the innings production after 1917 uh, dropped off uh, as well. So, I mean, I get it's you don't want to make assumptions based off of a hundred years, but logically it makes it makes sense yeah no you're right um so on to uh the streaking mariners who uh maybe their trade deadline position has changed but i'm not exactly sure the mariners are always weird because you know they're just going to make one weird trade that you don't know if they're buying mm-hmm. or selling i mean jerry depoto as as guaranteed one thing it's he's just gonna do something doesn't matter what it is he's gonna do something that's been the that's been the thing ever since he came into that office been the memo i guess um yeah the mariners uh they were actually i was actually looking at uh putting adam frazier on their radar because they've also gotten limited production from second base this year um so that's what i was thinking there Uh uh-huh but they, but you know, they're in a similar position with with the Angels, where they need if they're gonna trade for someone, it's got to be a long term, it's got to be a more long term thing. They're not here to get rentals because realistically, uh, you know, they have two very clearly better teams than them in their division. But you know, this team, like they have, they have the potential to do it in the future. You know, J.B. Crawford has broken out this year. Ty France has been pretty excellent. Jake Fraley's been really good recently. Uh, you have Kelnick and you have Rodriguez who are still trying to figure it out in the minors, and that's all right. You know they don't need him right now. Yusei Kikuchi has obviously been uh, breaking out this year. He's an all-star. Um, the only problem is Marco Gonzalez has been struggling, but uh, bullpen as well. Kendall Graveman has broken out. Um, I mean, I'd say if you're gonna buy, get another reliever because, I mean, Kendall Graveman has been very good, but I. Is his option up this year? Yeah, his contract ends uh, this year. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to want to get him back. You're going to get Ken Giles back next year from Tommy John surgery. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. I um, mean, like, I don't know. What do you have from this team other than, like, I mean, I'd say if you really want to go for it, go get Adam Frazier. But, I mean, other than that, like, I'd say – Maybe another arm and on both ends. Because by the way, Justice Sheffield uh, is still is still very much still a work in progress. As well. Yeah, like he is very, very much. Yeah. Uh, Chris Flexen has been a nice surprise for them this year. He was a KBO free agent signing. He's been performing very well for them. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, struggled. Logan Gilbert still got to develop. This is a very, very young team. Like they just gotta. I'd say, I'd say, uh, you know, just keep looking ahead to the future. Like this year, like you know, it'd be cool to break through and make it this year, but that shouldn't be the number one priority over the future because that's when this team is destined for really good success. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh... I wouldn't say to necessarily buy or sell with this team. I just, I, I know that Jerry DePoto is going to do something odd. And I mean, yeah. I don't know, like people talk about him. He, I mean, none of the deals, I guess maybe Taylor Trammell is doing well this year, but most of the deals he does seem to be kind of ineffective either way. Like, that he doesn't seem to win or, or like insignificant too. Yeah. He doesn't seem to win deals, but, or even like, yeah, Taylor Trammell is not, not doing great this year, like a 626 OPS. I, yeah. None of the deals he does seems to be that effective. So, I mean, people, people talk about, Oh, it's Jerry DePoto is going to do some, some deal, but it, it never ends up really doing anything. So we'll do one of those probably. Yeah. Yep. Like when and, he traded Mike Leakes to the Diamondbacks. Right, yeah. That was a great deal. Yeah, it's... Um, oh, do you think... Interesting. I know that uh, Mitch Hanniger has been on some team's radar. I think he's got two years left on his deal. And you have a lot of outfielders coming up in your system. Do you maybe try to work a Mitch Hanniger trade, or do you wait on that? I'd say you wait on that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's been... Uh, he's had, like... A, he had a bad month of June, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I don't know I mean, like, if where, like, teams where are going to be buying. In, where does he fit into the future puzzle if you have Kelnick, Rodriguez, Trammell, uh in the outfield? You also have uh, some others as well. I can't think of names at the moment, but like they got a they got a pretty stacked outfield out there uh, going forward. Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis, yeah. Uh, he's been hurt, and that's why. That's why yeah. I'm looking at him. Yeah. I mean, you got Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, Jared Kelnick, and, and Julio Rodriguez. Like, where is Mitch Hanniger fitting in? Yeah, he, he doesn't. He's 30 years he's, old right you know, now. Yeah, he's in his age 30 season. Like, maybe – I don't think you trade him now. I'd say you wait for that. Um, but yeah, Could be an off-season move. Yeah, keep it in the back of your mind because that is – that probably will be relevant at some point yeah if he has a good july i would trade him uh yeah you know he's he's under control through 2022 just yeah i mean there's really yeah he doesn't really fit necessarily into the in the future of the uh diamondback or the uh mariners, mariners. he didn't fit in, he didn't fit in the future of the diamondbacks before we know that yeah he didn't <laughs> and yeah Remember that was uh that trade was made the night before Thanksgiving. I was at my aunt's house and I was just like, it was what like, Taiwan Walker to the Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte to the Mariners, Mitch Haniger to the Mariners, uh, and there's one other that went from Seattle to Arizona. Uh, maybe it was you know, the other way around, rather. I'm not sure. Because uh, it was a cool trade. Yeah, it was nice. Classic, classic Depoto. Oh, Gene Segura. Gene Segura was in that trade as well. Yeah, not not winning too big, not losing too big. That's yeah. the that's the Depoto way. Um, so 
yeah, Mariners, interesting situation. I, yeah, I think if, if Hanniger can pull it together in July, uh, you give him to a team that maybe like lost out on Gallo and then you, it's like, oh, we can get another outfielder with somewhat good offensive production. Um, the Oakland A's, uh, I think their, their holes are pretty obvious and, uh, you know, it's weird. You, you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, you don't. Uh, this is, you know, I mentioned it earlier, like there's a perfect big trade this team can make, but just because of who they are, they're not going to do it. Right. Which is just sad. Um, you know, Elvis Andrews is currently their two hitter and starting shortstop. And I understand that he's been a little bit better rate lately, but you know, there's a very good rental shortstop out there for a team that's going for it. Like Oakland is. Yeah. Yeah, you got Trevor Story out there, but he has he's getting paid eighteen and a half million dollars this year. Uh, if he went to Oakland, uh, if he went to Oakland now, it would be you know they'd have to pay him like nine million dollars. If it was at the deadline, it would be around eight million dollars. So uh, yeah, that Oakland that doesn't like to. Uh, paid too much for their players they're always on a budget uh but also i think the athletics could use a dh help as actually uh i don't know if the stats are updated but the last time i checked they were, were 13th in the al in dh ops uh so you know it's another situation of like would they would they be willing to get a guy like Nelson Cruz who is getting paid $13 million this year? He's a little cheaper than Trevor's story. Yeah. Uh, maybe they go after him or uh, yeah. I mean, like the previously mentioned uh, CJ Crone, maybe they kind of downsize, you know, more downsize and get him, take him from uh, a very uh, hitter friendly environment to a very pitcher friendly environment, yeah, but nonetheless, he could help. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there, there are, they do have their options and I think that they're a team that, you know, will go out and make moves, even if they, even if they limit themselves financially, um, could they use another arm too? Uh, yeah, their, their starting rotation has been oddly good, uh, better than usual. Uh, I, you know. I don't know what cheap options are out there uh, for starting pitchers, you know, guys that aren't making much money mm-hmm. this year. Uh, I also am curious to know like how all in the A's will be this year. Cause it's, you know, well, let's see who are the remember in, free agents. Cause 2014 way back, you know, seven years ago, they were particularly all in like they got they uh, got John Lester. They got Jeff Samarja. You know, they traded away Yoana Cespedes and Addison Russell and uh, really went all in for that particular year, particular year. And, you know, I know there's a new front office situation there now, so maybe yeah. it won't repeat history. But I wonder if they'll make some surprising move this year. Side note, I just found out Mark Canna is a free agent to be. That would that's uh, a great 
under the radar option for a team this offseason, but that's besides the point. Um, yep. I mean, that's the, really the only, I'd say, big free agent to be on the offense for the A's. Uh, they also, I guess, Jed Lowry too, but I mean, that's a, you know, that's a guy the A's uh, can afford to get back. Can afford to get back. He's done so many uh, tenures with them. Trevor Rosenthal, Mike Fires, Yusmero Petit, Sergio Romo, Mitch Moreland, Jed Lowry, and Mark Hanna are all free agents to be with Oakland. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a team that can – they can use, like, one of everything, I feel like, except for maybe bullpen. Bullpen, they can – their bullpen's been shaky lately, but on paper, like, they should be able to figure it out by the time October comes. Uh, but I'd say the other the, – the main idea is get another bat. It doesn't uh, really have to be, a like, a specific type of bat, like a power bat or a contact bat, just another bat because, I mean, they have – I think Elvis Andrews is, like, 54 weighted runs created plus or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You could use some help. You can use some help there. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, the obvious move is uh, to try and get Trevor story. It's just a real big question mark as to if they will do that. It's not um, even a question mark. It's just a no, they won't. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I think there's like a 20% chance of it happening. I get, I'm, I'm feeling generous with the A's. I don't know. Uh, I, f- I feel like maybe it could happen, but uh, I mean, yeah, starting pitching wise, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they go out and get somebody. I, re- I think the last time, like, when was the last time they really traded for someone who was who had a good market like Mike Fires in 2018? I'm not sure if you can even consider that. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm still thinking John Lester. Yeah, John. Yeah, pretty much John Lester. Um, like after after 2015 and after 2014 they they you know they fire sailed the team they sold donaldson they sold all those guys uh and they weren't competitive again until 18 right yeah i mean uh i think yeah i think they'll get a they'll get a bullpen arm for sure because outside of uh trevino petit and deekman it's not uh amazing as you would expect the a's bullpen to be uh, it's been like good, but not amazing. So I, I would expect them to get someone like uh, I don't know Iglesias, Rizal Iglesias, or some some something like that. Uh, some something to help the team out, but I don't know intradivisional stuff. Uh, all right, and lastly, we will get to the Houston Astros. Uh, there's there's one. Uh, sect of the team that I specifically would look at. What what do you have on the Astros? Is it bullpen? Yeah. Yeah. Then no, you're not wrong. They have the 17th highest bullpen wins above replacement according to Fangraphs. In the majors. 18th, 18th in bullpen ERA in the MLB. It's the worst yeah. of the division leaders. Uh, so they're probably going to be the biggest hunters of reliever arms. Yeah. Uh, you know, we already mentioned. I'll just go. I'll just go and look at some more relievers in the market because we already mentioned Richard Rodriguez. That's like the probably the headliner, I'd say. Uh, as far as other trade candidates, you know, Ryan Presley is their best reliever, and it's not even a discussion. I don't think. Right. Right. Um. Who else? There's a lot of good arms in the Orioles bullpen, but I don't know. Like, I think they're all lefty specialists. 
Right. Uh, and the thing with the like Paul Fry, Tanner Scott. The thing with the uh, with the Astros is they're not they're not afraid to buy. They're not afraid to uh, put their foot on the gas pedal, uh, so to say. So they will mm -hmm. they will do just about any. Well, I mean, we know from. <laughs> We know from 2017 they would do just about anything to oh, win. That was, that was 2018, but yeah. Uh, that, was, that was real ugly. Uh, and you know what? This might be kind of an all-in year. I know we talked about this last year, but like, when really does the when does the door close on this team? Because you know, no one expected them to be in this position without Verlander, without Springer. But you know, next year, Grinky is a free agent. Uh, Correa is a free agent, and. I, I, that's pretty much it amongst the guys you're losing. Um, but I, I mean, if the Cubs, if the Cubs have lost 10 straight and there's a plethora of guys over there um, that the Astros could probably go get. I mean, I'd say if you can get one of those guys from the Cubs, whether it's like a, whether it's Ryan DePera, whether it's uh, Craig Kimbrell, name in my head, Craig, I mean, Craig Kimbrell's the big one. Um, yeah. You could probably go get him if you really wanted to, you could probably get Andrew Chafin. Like there's plenty of names out there in that Chicago bullpen if they're gonna continue to be on this slide. Yeah, that's been that's Especially been alarming. Because, you know, the Cubs, like we'll talk about this next episode, but the Cubs have a lot of huge decisions to make because you know the the, the this year is the end of an era for them. Exactly. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah. I. Yeah. With uh. With. The Astros, it's obvious they need uh, bullpen help. Everything else has been uh, as good as as good as it can be, pretty much. <clears throat> yeah, their <clears throat> their bullpen ERA, 18th in Major League Baseball. So, uh, you know that's not something you want as a uh, as a division leader in in baseball. Uh, so yeah, it's it just get the most obvious. You just got to get the most obvious uh, bullpen choices out there, uh, whoever they may be. Uh, and mm -hmm. I feel like they're not that obvious this year, you know, pretty no. much. Usually it's right. usually it's pretty clear who the bullpen choices are. You know, 2016, you had Chapman and Miller uh, were the two the two guys you had to go after. Uh, 20, even like 2019. It was just a question mark of who the Giants were going to give up. You thought maybe Will Smith would get uh, traded or something. Shane Green was a, an obvious guy that was going to get traded. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's just not that obvious this year. Uh, all right. So anything more on the Astros? I think that's about it. All right. That leads into uh, the part we've most prepared for. Uh, you know, our players to highlight for good and bad reasons. So we'll start off with our, we will start off with our Tuesday, uh, June, uh, July 6th, 2021 edition of, How about that? So, you, so who do you have to highlight for good reasons so, uh, today? Very recently in the college baseball realm, uh, Mississippi State pulled a huge upset by beating Vanderbilt uh, in the in the finals. Yeah, they they rocked. They got Kumar Rocker in the uh, in the third game, and the one of the highlighter, like one of the standout players from Mississippi State, was Will Bedner, who was a pitcher who 
I think pitched two games when like 18 innings did very well. Uh, but what people don't know is that Will has a brother named David, David Bedner in the Pirates organization who has been killing it this year. And no one really knows he is in the 85th percentile in average exit velocity, 88th percentile in hard hit rate, 88th percentile in expected Woba slash XERA. 87th percentile in expected batting average, 79th percentile in expected slugging, 87th percentile in K percentage, 80th percentile in width percentage, 79th percentile in chase rate, and 92nd percentile on fastball velocity. And even with that impressive fastball velocity, his split finger has been his most effective pitch so far this year. Uh, There are 30 pitchers to have accumulated at least 10 plate appearances with their splitter slash split finger. And among them, David Bednar ranks fifth in run value with negative three, 11th in average against with a 179, 11th in slugging against with a 256, ninth in WOBA with a 226, ninth in expected ERA with a 159, 13th in expected slugging with a 260, and 12th in expected WOBA with a 217. So David Bednar, uh, not really getting the recognition he deserves out of the Pirates' bullpen, and his brother Will, who's in college, is getting more recognition. Yeah, David Bedner. How about that? Uh, yeah, very interesting. He's uh, looked at the Savant page, uh, yeah. getting a little unlucky uh, when you think about it. Three three eight ERA, two nine. I was going to say he's ERA. an elite. He's an elite reliever, reliever masquerading behind a three point three eight ERA. Yeah. That that'll happen with the Pirates defense behind behind you. It, it's kind of a trend with Pirates pitchers. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So for my how about that? Uh, he's actually <clears throat> he's actually previously mentioned, uh, you know, because he was an All Star, uh, and you mentioned he had a very good month of June. Herman Marquez, uh, talking about Herman Marquez. He has a 0.93 ERA in 29 innings pitch in his last four starts. And in this span, his ground ball percentage is 66.2% uh, on batted ball events. And overall, his ground ball rate uh, this year has never been higher. Uh, and this is despite his sinker usage being at its lowest since 2016. And the answer for his increase in ground balls may actually be his forcing fastball which is you know forcing fastballs you never know that as a prototypical ground ball pitch but um you know his fastball spin rate is at the lowest it's ever been and his forcing fastball has never had more vertical drop you know the the trend in the 2021 game is to get the spin rate as high as possible and have that you know, vertical rise, but is just the opposite with uh, Herman Marquez and being in Coors Field has a lot to do with that. Cause when you look at the vertical drop, uh, le- you know, leaderboards, it's a lot of Rockies at the bottom, but uh, Herman Marquez specifically, he spent his, he has spent his whole career in Colorado and this is the lowest his spin rate has ever been. And it's like the most success he's had, he's had with his fastball. So pretty interesting how he's kind of gone against the uh, baseball grain. Uh, his four-seam fastball vertical drop is the 19th lowest out of 401 qualifiers. That's in the bottom 5% uh, in, vert- in vertical drop. And 
the launch angle against his four seam fastball is zero degrees, which is the lowest it's ever been. And in his last four starts, there have been 36 batted balls against his four seam fastball. 26 of them have been ground balls. That's 72% of batted balls on the fastball being ground balls. So, uh, you know, he's not making any particular adjustment uh, to get more ground balls. It's just his fastball is spinning less, which is uh, providing more uh, ground balls. Usually when as spin rate increases, you know, fly ball and pop-up rate increases uh, if you use if you use it correctly if you look at you know the high spin rate guys they're usually high fly ball guys when it's the opposite they're usually ground ball guys so herman marquez is working with a, a lower spin rate and it's uh it's working out for him so herman marquez How about that? um so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking about players or subjects that have not been doing well. Uh, now for our Tuesday, July 6, 2021 edition of... Slightly alarming. So who has been on your radar for bad reasons? Yeah. Uh, I am looking at a guy who... He came sort of come up, came up last year as like a, a, with like superstar potential. Uh, he took the world by storm last year. And he's been underperforming year-round, but he's been particularly bad lately. I'm looking at Randy Rosarena, uh, who has been struggling this entire year. Uh, his expected WOBA, expected batting average, expected slugging, barrel percentage, strikeout percentage, whiff rate, and outfielder jump are all in the bottom 35 percentile in the league this season. And since June 18th, uh, he is slashing 157, 267, 196, 463, with 37 weighted runs created plus. That 196 slugging that he has since that date is tied for second worst among 179 qualifiers. And also, with batted balls, since June 18th as well, 23 of his 37 batted balls have had a launch angle above 35 degrees or below negative 15 degrees. That is 62.1% of his batted balls that virtually have no chance of being a hit based on, based on where they're hit in relation to the ground, basically, and off the bat. Uh, so Randy Rosarena has been struggling a lot uh recently uh yeah randy rosarena slightly alarming been a been a bad year for american league rookie of the year predictions i think a rosarena was a favorite uh uh jared kelnick was a favorite he you know got sent down this year uh potentially there's hope wander for franco. Uh, wander franco yeah i mean i guess it's, it's too early to say it's been a bust because you know he's still i mean as far as rookie year goes right uh, he's only played like what 10 11 games yeah exactly um you know my prediction bobby dahlbeck hasn't been working out too well <laughs> uh yeah nothing uh nothing nothing great <clears throat> for american league rookie of the year no one really saw adolis garcia being that guy um my ha- uh my slightly alarming is the uh, Rays pitching staff, they've not been uh, oh, wow. very effective in, and uh, you know, you could mark this, you know, with Tyler Glass now, without Tyler Glass now. And this isn't really a, I'm not, you know, necessarily correlation equals causation here, but uh, I think there might be a little bit of a 
causation. But overall, uh, the Rays pitching staff is just slumping. So since Tyler Glasnow's last start, their team ERA is 4.95. And while Tyler Glasnow was healthy, their starter ERA was 3.49 and second in the American League. Since his injury, their starter ERA is 4.80 and 7th in the AL. Also, while Tyler Glasnow was healthy, their bullpen ERA was 3.03 and 3rd in the MLB. And since then, their bullpen ERA is 5.11 and 23rd in the MLB. So it could be a thing of, you know, Tyler Glasnow was their biggest innings eater. Uh, maybe without him, the bullpen is a little more exhausted than usual. And, uh, you know, now they're not quite as effective as they would be because they're not as well rested. But uh, I think, you know, just team morale is, is a bit down and teams go through downslides, gener- you know, go through uh, go through some downs in the season generally. So uh, it may not necessarily have to do at all with the Tyler Glasnow injury, but you know, specifically since then, it's been bad for them, you know, as a team. I think they've lost uh, 12 out of 18 or something like that. And before that, I yeah. think it was 12 out of 16. So it was pretty rough for them. They might be coming back. But, uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, overall pitching staff hasn't been good. In fact, slightly alarming. Um, so, yeah, it uh, – has not been uh, has not been great for the Rays pitching staff since the Tyler Glass never injury, but could get turned around. They just need uh, somebody somebody to lead the way. Uh, so now we get into the preview of the week ahead. Uh, Monday has already surpassed. Um, yeah. I mean, series wise, uh, our, our next episode will be coming Friday since this one's coming out on Tuesday. So. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to look at Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for matchups. And, Chris, you can go ahead with a series that have – maybe they've already started. Maybe they're starting tonight. Yeah, um, I think uh, – yeah, I, I think the some of the better series are actually starting tonight. You have uh, a battle of two division leaders. Uh, I think this potentially could be a postseason preview, especially like number two seed versus number three seed. Uh, Mets Brewers, you have uh, starting tonight. No, uh, that t- started last night. Or uh, oh, it started last night. Yeah, the Mets won last night. So Mets four won last two. night, four to two. Tonight you have uh, Degrom versus Brett Anderson. That's tough. The Brewers have three aces, and Degrom gets matched against Brett Anderson. That's unfortunate. It is. It is. It especially just for baseball fans. Mm-hmm. Like that would be nice to see a, a Degrom versus. Uh, Peralta, Woodruff, yeah. or Burns matchup. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Corbin Burns versus To Be Determined. And I guess that series, yeah, that series ends after that. And then another series to watch, which I believe start actually starts tonight, if I'm not mistaken. You have A's Astros. Uh, A's, Astros have been streaking A's. Not really. So A is looking to gain some ground in Houston at Minute Maid. Uh, tonight you have a very good matchup. Uh, Wednesday you have uh, another pretty good matchup. So yeah, you have some very good pitching matchups there. 
And uh, Thursday, you have Lance McCullers versus Frankie Montas at 2 p.m. So, uh, a, you know, a pretty crucial series there in Houston. So what do you got for the day by days? So uh, there's a lot of good pitching tonight, a lot of good matchups, particularly. You obviously mentioned DeGrom at 7-10 Eastern time. Uh, in Dodgers-Marlins, you have Tony Gonsolin versus Pablo Lopez. That's an intriguing matchup. Uh, Phillies-Cubs, you have Jake Arrieta for, facing his former team in Philadelphia. You have Aaron Nola pitching for the Phillies. Um, you mentioned Chris Bassett versus Framber Valdez tonight in Oakland versus Houston. Uh, you have Carlos Rodon versus Jose Barrios. Uh, I got to take. With, with Garrett Cole's recent struggles, if Carlos Rodon, if Carlos Rodon produces a game score of at least 60 tonight, he is the new frontrunner in American League Cy Young. Yeah. That is my take. Uh, he's facing a Twins lineup that is pretty good. Uh, the pitching has been the issue, but Barrios is going to be facing him. Uh, probably looking to rack up some trade value. You have Ryan Weathers going for the Padres as well, but the matchup of the night Two all-star pitchers, Nathan Eovaldi versus Shohei Otani. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a late one as well. And then on Wednesday, you have Lance Lynn going for the White Sox. You have uh, Sonny Gray going for the Reds. You have Hunjin Ryu. He's been struggling lately going against Matt Harvey. Corbin Burns will be going for the Brewers. Zach Wheeler will be going for the Phillies. Uh, you mentioned Manaya versus Garcia in A's Astros. Um and you also have Yusei Kikuchi going late night. But the best night matchup of the night, I think, Casey Mize versus Kyle Gibson. Two how about that's going against each other in uh, Detroit versus Texas. Uh, you know, two teams that aren't really playing for much right now, but that'll be a good one to watch for sure. And, they oh, both, yeah. and they're both pitching for stuff. Mize is, you know, pitching to establish himself, is, and Gibson is pitching to get out of there. So that'll be exciting. And then on Thursday... You have Julio Arias versus Sandy Alcantara. A lot of good matchups in this Dodgers and Marlins series. Um, you have Montas versus McCullers, like you mentioned. You have uh, not a lot is announced. Tyler Molle going for the Reds against Milwaukee. That'll be good. But the matchup of the night so far, and probably will be at all times, Max Serger versus Yu Darvish on Thursday night in Nationals Padres. That is a good one. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a huge one. Um, all right. So that, uh, does it for this episode. We hope you enjoy this one. Uh, if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called above replacement radio. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on Friday, where we are going to be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.